Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha, good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. On Sundays, we're on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on KWXX and B93, B97, and on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo the following Friday. The second contested county council district in this upcoming election is Council District 1, which is a slice of Waimea and the Hamakua Coast down to the Singing Bridge. The incumbent, Valerie Poindexter, has served the community for eight years and is now term-limited out. There are two candidates running in the general election, Dominic Higong and Heather Kimball. Today, we are talking with Dominic Higong. Ms. Kimball was my guest last week, and you may find that discussion and other prior island conversations wherever you get podcasts or at kwxx.com or b97.com. And for those of you who are not in District 1, remember that whoever is elected will have an influence on the future of the county because the county council is responsible for legislation, approving the budget, and more. Aloha, Dominic Higong. Aloha. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really happy to have you here, and I want to remind everybody that you were born and raised in a plantation camp in Honoka'a. Mm-hmm. You got your first formal job at Honoka'a People's Theater when you were just 15. You told me that a long time ago. <laughs> You worked at Foot Locker, you worked at Foot Locker here and on Kauai, Maui, and Oahu, and in Washington State. You lived, you returned here to Hawaii Island, worked for Liberty House, then KTA, and then Foodland. Dominic Higong was elected to the same council position for which he is now running six times. So he represented the district for around 12 years before running against Mayor Billy Kanoi for mayor in 2012 and then stepping back from politics. Today, Mr. Higong works for Associa, managing resort master community associations, homeowners associations, and condo associations. And some of you also know Dominic Higong by voice, the voice of the Honoka'a Dragons announcing high school sports for over 25 years and he has other community activities but I do want to talk with him more so I'll let you go to his website dominichigong.com to read more about that. Dominic I'm happy to have you here. It's my pleasure thank you. Anything you'd like to add about your activities since stepping down from politics several years ago? Well I tell you um, I haven't stopped uh, being involved in the community. In fact when I moved back um, to Hawaii back in 1983 one of the things that I promised myself, I was living in Washington State at that time, I promised that if I ever moved back, I was going to get really involved with, it, with the community, and, and I did. And certainly you'll see my list of uh, things that I've been involved with. But uh, even being out of politics, I've been involved uh, very uh, drastically with the community. In fact, we just uh, recently did the Honoka High School 130-year celebration where thousands of people actually turn out. Right now, it's the biggest event that Honoka has ever had in its history. Oh, my goodness. Where thousands of people came back for a two-day celebration, and it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, people from uh, throughout the, the nation, throughout the state, and even from foreign countries came, and it was outstanding. Well, I knew you were in charge of that, but I didn't realize you had such an amazing turnout. Uh, boy, the first night that we opened up uh, was Friday night with a block party. It was basically shoulder-to-shoulder people. It was amazing. It was so much fun to, to see that happening in the town, but mainly the, the good part was really having people People come home. You know, people really miss home. And it certainly was a great, great event. In fact, I even 
chaired the 100-year celebration 30 years ago <laughs> when we first did the first uh, centennial celebration. That was back in 89, and I was a chairman of that event as well. Are you going to do the 160-year celebration, do you imagine? We're going to do the 135. Okay. We've, already, we've already set that date, <laughs> you know, because I figure by the time uh, it's uh, 150, I'll be 80 years old. So I probably will have a little harder time, you know, keeping up with everyone. So I'm going to do the 135 and maybe retire after that. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of retiring, you have not retired from politics. You are now running again for Council District 1. Why did you decide to try to get back into this and be the council rep one more time? Uh, I got to tell you, it's really deja vu all all over again, you know, when I first ran for office, it was, you know, during a period where the plantation had closed down. Our community was having such a difficult time. Uh, you know, thousands of people were out of work, and uh, it affected people in so many ways, not only not only having, not having a job, you know, putting food on the table, but, I mean, all of a sudden you had a lot of theft and drug abuse and spousal abuse. So I really felt at that time it was my responsibility to get into office, and I did. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, we're going through the same thing now, except it's ten times worse. You know, it's affecting the entire state, the entire nation, and and certainly in our area, um, when people transition out of the uh, plantation era, many of them went into the hotel industry, where you have husband and wife and son and daughter all working for the for uh, the hotels, and now they're out of work. So the impact has been just terrible. So for me, I really felt that, again, it was my responsibility to, to see what I can do to help. In fact, I will tell you this, Sherry, when people talk to me and they ask me, first of all, they say, Dom, we're so happy that you're running, first of all. Then they would say, but why are you doing this? It's going to be so hard with the budgetary shortfall and all the difficulties that we will be facing, the uncertainties. And I, you know, and I answered this way. I said, I'm running because I know it's going to be hard. You know, the experiences that I've had while I was on a county council, I think, can be very beneficial and helpful to the nine-member team, along with the mayor, to help us steer to this, you know, and nav- navigate through this very difficult time. It is going to be difficult. I can't believe anybody doesn't understand that. And you mentioned that when the sugar plantation closed, the community started suffering from crimes and drugs. And that is something that people have expressed concern about, really, for the whole island. What's going to be the solution to that particular issue? How do you think you might address it if you get to be in the council? Well, you know, unfortunately, um, many of these um, social ills is related to the economy. You know, when people have jobs, um, um, people are able to, you know, take care of their family and take care of their needs. But when it's a financial crunch, uh, crunch, Boy, I tell you, some things go out the window, unfortunately. So, you know, I think our job is going to be to get the people back to work. Obviously, we need to do it safely. You know, I think with this COVID-19, I think the state, uh, we were a little slow, I think, here on Big Island to react to things that we really should have done. To some friends, I mentioned that what they did in Kauai, in my mind, was really the steps that needed to be taken right at the get-go. But, you know, we can't look back, right? And the way I look at it, our job is to be able to get people back to work safely. And part of it is dealing with COVID-19. How do you think we do that? Because that's a question, as you know, I've recently moderated two mayor candidate forums. And just in talking with other people who are running for council, clearly it's something that has to be dealt with. How do you think we get back to work safely and still deal with COVID-19? Because we need to do that. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that when I do go around the island, I see a lot of people complying. And when you think about it, a pandemic, it's such a, uh, such a difficult thing and, and scary thing. And yet the solution is simple. 
I shouldn't say just simple, but these four things, you know, wearing a mask, washing your hands, social distancing, and don't gather in large crowd, it's something that we can sacrifice. We live in the greatest country in the world. We all have rights, and people say, it's my right to not wear a mask. Well, unfortunately, you put other people at risk. But I do want to recognize that most people are complying. However, until such time that we do get the vaccine, that I hope that's going to hopefully make COVID-19 a memory, until then, we got to minimize how many people get sick. We've got to minimize how many people die. What happened at the veterans facility there, it's just inexcusable. At any rate, I really think if we understand it, it is our kuleana. You hear that word a lot. But seriously, folks, we're in Hawaii. We need to take that word seriously. It's all of our responsibility. I cannot disagree. In fact, as we record this interview on Saturday, October 3rd, I just spoke with Hawaii County Mayor Harry Kim today, and today we had 43 new cases, Mm -hmm. and he was really sad because one of the outbreaks is now at the Hilo Life Care Center, and they had a death today. I know, just tragic, and another major outbreak is on the Kona side at University of the Nations, and he said exactly what you said, Dominic, that... We just need to do the four things you mentioned, and we can reopen safely. And that's really going to be important because it's not the visitors who, I mean, they may bring some COVID here. We already have it here. So we are the ones who are responsible. Well, I think we need to understand, Sherry, that COVID-19 and the economy, they're, they're linked It's absolutely linked. If you want us to get out of this difficult time that people are facing financially, we we have to deal with COVID, and we can't keep them separate. They're both together. So we need to understand if you want to make people's lives better, where they don't have to stand in line for a food basket from 5 in the morning for an 8 o'clock pickup, three hours ahead of time, because they want to make sure they get their food packet. For Pete's sakes, that, to me, that's, it's really disheartening when you hear that. And it's all because of COVID. So let's work together and solve this. Mr. Yagong, there are going to be issues beyond COVID in your district. Hamakua District is pretty large. Council District 1 goes all the way from a little bit of Waimea down to the Singing Bridge. Yes. What are some of the issues you think need to be dealt with once you become county council person if you win this race? Well, I think the focus, of course, is the economy. And one of the things that I really am going to be focused on on day one, in fact, we're already starting on it, to be honest with you, and that is to put people back on the land. We have a lot of agricultural land in Hamakua, thousands of acres that the county owns, and they lay fallow, you know, and and they're producing nothing except being tall grass for the wild pigs, you know. But we have an opportunity, I think, uh, in this time, in this emergency, that we need to come up with policies that allows us to put people on the land so that they can grow food. The key is sustainability, right? You look at the 46% increase in our shipping fees. You know, that's going to affect our prices in the, the market. Markets, it already has. But if we are going to survive and to be able to live here in Hawaii, we need to be more sustainable. And a big part of that is going to be agriculture. The nice thing for me that I, I'm excited about is that in District 9, uh, Tim Richards, his focus is agriculture. I mean, that's his main focus. And I think both of us have that same vision. And there's no reason why Hamakua cannot be the breadbasket you know, for food uh, for the entire state of Hawaii. If we can only get out of our way. We tried to get lands to the people, Sherry, and the problem with that is the bureaucrats get in the way. They made it so impossible, you know, where people that has the passion and has the desire, but folks, I mean, they, they just don't have the money to do it. So being that these are county land, I think there's things that we can do 
to be able to make it feasible in work. Dominic, that has been true for many years. Why is the county not letting people in some way use this land that's laying fallow? This was the same way when you were in council before, and it's been a discussion for years. Oh, I hate to say this, but it's all politics. You know, when I was on the council, it was really all politics because the fight was for the land. Because if you recall, what was going to happen with the land? It was during Mary Yamashiro's time. And what they were going to do was give away the, I shouldn't say give away, but they were going to lease these lands for $10 an acre a year for 55 years to a foreign entity that was going to grow eucalyptus trees oh, so really? they could cut it and send it to Japan. Very little jobs, a lot of impact. The point that I made that I fought for and won was that if we are if we are willing to give our lands, our public lands owned by the people of the county of Hawaii to a foreign entity for $10 an acre a year for 55 years, for peace sakes, I think we should be able to give that opportunity to our local people. And we had hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, just out of sugar plantation. Their whole life has been agriculture. But we made it so difficult because the cost of the insurance was so high. You know, the lease was so high. They talked about a month-to-month. No one can borrow money if you lease land on a month-to-month basis. So what we need to do is really grasp that we are in a new era this is a total different ball game, and let's put away all these bureaucratic stuff that that stalls things. Instead, let's make it simple and make it easy. And I think in Hamuko, the key is sharing. It's county land, so I mean, part of my plan or part of my thought is, and I'm sure I'll get some questions about it. Being that it's county land, the most difficult part is when you have these lands for 20 years that has been laid lay fallow. The weeds are overgrown. You know, you got you know uh, ironwood trees. They're county land. We can clear it. We have the equipment, we have the workers, you know, it's not going to cost a thing. But can you imagine if you were a farmer looking at a piece of land, the first thing you got to think is, how am I going to till that land? How am I going to get that land productive so I can even plant a seed in the ground? And it costs money. But my God, if we realize that getting agriculture rolling is a benefit to the people of the state of Hawaii, then let's do it. Let's not, you know, make it difficult. And what you're talking about really is the role of government in a time like this, particularly to use county resources to provide business opportunities and personal opportunities. And that's something that a lot of politicians have talked about. Now we have to really buckle down and do that. Well, county is a service. You know, we're not for profit. You know, we're not here to make profit. We need to operate and provide the services. Now, we need to think, you know, I hate to say this because it's such a cliche outside of the box, but we do, you know, because of the unprecedented times that we're in. And we got a lot of people, a lot of ideas and people that are willing to help. And people are talking the right words, sustainability. If not, I think uh, we're going to be shooting our own foot if we don't do it. And I think Hamakua is going to play a big role in that, as well as Waimea, our sister district. We put our efforts and thoughts and minds together. I think uh, a couple years from now or a year from now, we're going to be very happy of the work that we've produced. And let me jump in here and just remind everybody, this is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Today we're talking with one of two candidates for County Council District 1, which is a slice of Waimea down Hamakua Coast, to the Singing Bridge. This is Dominic Egong today. Last week, we talked with Heather Kimball, who is the other candidate. You may find that discussion online as a podcast. Just search for Island Conversations or at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. And you may also hear from both of them at the Waimea Community Association Facebook page. Ballots are out now. You should have received yours by now. If not, call the county elections office at 961-8277. And 
there are a lot of candidate forums out there to view. You may see mayor forums at Big Island Press Club Facebook page, at the B97B93 Facebook page. Naleo.tv has a number of different candidate forums. So think about it as you vote. And we have 16 charter amendments. You may find the podcast of Island Conversations with the League of Women Voters talking about the pros and cons of the 16. Next week, we are not going to talk politics. We're going to talk with Cindy Kamakawa, CEO of North Hawaii Hospital, and get an update on the hospital and how they're handling the COVID crisis. Before we return to Dominic Agong, a word from our sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And now back to candidate for Hawaii County Council District 1 Hamakua. Dominic Yagong. Mr. Yagong, you mentioned eucalyptus trees, and you have a whole lot of eucalyptus trees now along the Hamakua coast. Their intent for them right now is to have them taken to the Huhonua bioenergy plant and burned to make energy that would be sold to Hawaiian Electric. But there's been controversy around it. It's pretty much on hold for this moment. Where do things need to go relative to Huhonua, in your view? Well, un- unfortunately, I think uh, depending, no matter what side of the fence you're on on this particular issue, it's really now in the Supreme Court. You know where Hohuno is now has actually you know filed a claim in the Supreme Court, but um, until that is uh, heard, really, right now, without the power purchase agreement, there is no Hohuno. Unless they have that in hand, nothing else is relevant. But I, I got to tell you, you know, as far as the trees that, that we have in, in Hamakua, you know, certainly that was you know, the main resource that, that they were going to use. If Hohuno is not going to be there, obviously, we got to deal with that. Now, uh, most of those trees are owned by Bishop Estate. Right, Kamehameha Schools. Exactly. And I got I to gotta believe by now that uh, you know, they were actually kind of piggybacking on Mayor Jean-Michel's plan with Japan coming in. And in fact, they had actually went out and planted those trees way before we even began having talks with Japan, because I even flew to Japan for that particular issue. So, you know, um, you know, of course, that didn't pan out. So we do need to do something about the trees. And one of my thoughts, quite frankly, is um, to work with Bishop Estate, because these trees are sitting on rich agricultural land. And I believe they have like 15,000 acres of trees planted. You know, I think we can, we should work together to try and identify those lands that even for them would be more productive than trees. And that is, again, going back to agriculture and, and using those uh, lands to grow food. But, you know, there would have to be a lot of discussion. But I think that is a part of the, uh, the whole agricultural picture. Because, you know, that used to be sugar canes, right, for miles and miles. But with Hohunua out, it really makes it difficult, I think, for a bishop estate to say, okay, then what do we do with the trees? So we certainly do have to deal with it. But I think we can work together to at least identify some acres or a major acres to try to, again, try to revert back to agricultural. One of the mayor candidates, Ikaika Marzo, suggested that a good use for the facility might be to turn it into a waste-to-energy plant to create more power for the Big Island. And, of course, that would require several things, including 
air permits and completely refitting the plant. But what do you think about the concept of a waste-to-energy plant where we bring our garbage in to up the Hamakua coast? You know, I'm going to leave that to the experts to determine whether or not this this type of garbage and, and the type of uh, a material that you'll be bringing to the area would be feasible next to the ocean. I mean, it's like it's right next to the ocean, you know, and... Uh, well, let me let me say that again. It's right next to the ocean. Okay? <laughs> it is. It is. And, uh, so I mean, so I mean, obviously, people uh, that are experts in the field would have to take a look at that and see number one whether it's you know, environmentally um, possible to do that. You know, there's a lot of restrictions, you know, in regards to where waste can be um, settled and, and set. So, um, you know, if that's a conversation that needs to happen, then then so be it. Um, but someone would have to probably tell us or tell the community that uh, it would be environmentally safe. Because when you take a look at the landfills that you have right now, where we do put our, you know, they are away from residences and away from the people. Take a look at your Ulu landfill here. You know, yeah, it's back uh, hidden. In fact, of, people can drive by it and not even realize it's out there. Out of sight, out of mind, you know, but, but you, you do need it, you know. So um, I'll, leave that, I'll leave that to the experts. Okay. You mentioned the role of county government in returning land to the people for farming, we would hope. What about other kinds of things the county can do? Clearly, during downtimes in the economy, one of the things the county or any municipality can do is construction projects. Are there projects within the district that you would want to push forward if you become the new county council rep? You know, yes. The answer to that is yes. We, we have um, $303 million worth of uh, capital improvement projects. And fortunately for us, a lot of it is in Hamakua. And some of those projects are projects that I actually uh, put on the books when I was on the council member. But again, it's, it's you know, um, been um, just held back and reappropriated, reappropriated. So, you know, for me, I, I do believe that in order to help the economy, we do need to get construction because construction can immediately put needed dollars. And yet at the same time, it's fixing facilities that have been neglected for years. I mean, we have, we have properties and facilities that are that are falling apart and mainly it's because i think we haven't had the proper constraint as a council maybe as as a mayor in the past where we did do a lot of things while neglecting our current facilities but not even those current well whether it's a the thing is if you do bring in these new projects you still got to go to the bidding process you still got to go to the approval process and get it onto the books of the county council i mean the county council has to approve it we've got projects that are already approved now so why not take those projects and put it into the private sector that's going to generate the, the economy today? If you just get the bids out, boom, you got a project going and people are working. And I think that we definitely have to do that. And there's funds for us to come uh, cover these, these projects and uh, these projects that are already on the books. Maybe not $303 million, but there are funds that we can get some major projects out. And, of course, we have to look for the stimulus funds as well that I think we all are going to be you know, fighting for um, to do more projects. And probably more of those federal funds as opposed to state, because I think it's going to be tough to get money from the state these days. Well, you take a look at what they did with the TAT, taking away that $19 million. So, I mean, that is a clear sign that, uh, you know, we better pre- pre- be prepared that the state uh, is not going to do us uh, any favors, you know, when it comes to additional funding that may be available. We're going to fight for every dime, obviously. And, uh, and, and, and along with the mayor, the mayor is going to have to really lobby. And, of course, we have – but the nice thing about it, Sherry, is I think we have a great contingency of local state representative that has done a great job fighting for us. And, of course, we've got Josh Green for – you know, Josh Green, our lieutenant governor. We talk about having a heavyweight on your side of the table. So I think we will be fighting. But for the county, we really should be prepared of having reduction in our, in our state funding. 
One of the things that I've also heard from folks in your district, potential district, is that, well, island-wide, more people now are working and going to school from home. And Ross Birch of the Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau has even mentioned that people are actually moving here because they can work remotely now. I mean, their main business might be on the mainland. So we do need more infrastructure to support wireless and cell phone service. I know in Hamakua Coast, the whole thing, there is spotty coverage here and there, just like there is around the island. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about a solution for that, if you think that's a pressing need? Well, you know, I think uh, one of the things that um, we've experienced in the past is, you know, there are people that are opposed to the towers, whether it's, you know, aesthetics and so forth. Um, But some of the things that we've experienced, such as the, uh, the disasters in Pune, where people were not able to communicate, because of the lack of the infrastructure, and then when you and when you and you talked about you know people having to work from home now, it's a different world. It's a it's a whole different world today that we need to adjust to. Because if we don't adjust, I'm, I mean I work in Honoka'a. My office here is, is here in Kona, um, you know, but I work remotely from home. So luckily we do have the infrastructure that allows me to do that. But there's places that needs more service. So for me, I will, you know, I still be working with the community, of course, to make sure we have proper placements, you know, and uh, and to avoid problems of views and so forth. But as far as the need, there is a need, especially if our kids are going to continue to have to work from home. To not that have that ability really puts them at a tremendous disadvantage. And you know who that is? Is the people in the rural community. And people like, uh, you know, Hamakua. So we got to think a little bit differently. This whole COVID thing has changed the way we need to look at things. It's changed the way we need to look at everything. You're right. And I think about people generally in rural communities, and you talk about the folks that are in your district who used to work in sugar, went to work for the hotels. And these are families that really do need to have their children educated. Every family on this island yes. does, because that's what helps us get the kind of jobs that we want in the future. And if you look at the technology jobs, they're probably jobs that require some of the education that is going to be done at home. So, Well, Mayor Kinoy, his famous line was, education is the equalizer. And he is so correct. He's so right in that. And people are realizing that now. He's a perfect example of it, actually. Exactly. <laughs> if you look at that. And, and if I could mention to you, you know, you mentioned about the people... I, you know, I'm in the uh, the property management business, so we have a lot of, and I, I manage a lot of high-end properties, you know, very, very wealthy people. And you're absolutely right. They have learned that they can actually work here in their second home. And that has really changed a lot of people's minds about where they want to live and be permanent residents. So, no, you're right. The people, it has changed the way people think. Dominic Higong, what really sets you ahead of your opponent, Heather Kimball? Why should people vote for you as the council rep for District 1? Well, first of all, let me say I like Heather. You know, um, Heather has been interested in politics for a long time. You know, she ran two races unsuccessfully for senator and for representative, and I really admire her for that. You know, being being the uh, having the determination to want to be a public servant, and that's great. Um, so I, I certainly don't want to compare myself with her. I think she has her reasons. I certainly have mine. Um, I'm not running. You know, some people do run because they do have an agenda. Some people do run because they, there's something that's in, they're interested in that they feel is maybe not being addressed. But for me, <laughs> Sherry, you know, it, it just it comes down to I, I truly care. I mean, I can look anyone in the eye, and I think people that know me and the people that I represent will tell you the thing that they like about me is they know that I'm sincere, 
and they know that I care. And I'll give you an example of that. You know, for this um, for this election, this uh, election campaign, right from the very get-go, what we said was we are not going to accept one dime of political contribution. The last uh, race I ran in, we spent about thirty thousand dollars, and and what we, and what did we buy? We bought banners and signs and put yagong all over the. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the fact of the matter is. People can't eat banners and signs. So what I did was I told anyone, I told people that, that wanted to support me, and you know, we, we easily turned around upwards of $25,000 in campaign contribution. And what I tell you know, these donors, say, look, if you have donated to the food bank, donated to food bank, because people, again, like I said, cannot eat banners or signs. So we haven't accepted a dime during this election, which is a disadvantage, because obviously my opponent now has you know, newspaper ads and mailers and all that stuff, and I have zero. The only thing I'm running on, Sherry, is my reputation and my name. Now, we did very well during the primary election. We were the top vote-getter based on my reputation and my name. You know, so I think what people know is that they know that they have someone that is sincere and that is a sincere public servant. You know, I'm not a fancy guy. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a fancy house. But what I do have is care for my community. And I've exhibited it over and over and over again. So I don't have to sell that. People know that I'll go to work, and I'll work hard, and I'll do my very best. And if I'm not able to find the answer, I'll try to find the answer. And even more importantly, and maybe the final thing is, they know that I will provide people that really don't have a voice a platform to have their voices heard. You know, I think I ran more public meetings than any other council member during the time that I was on the county council because I really felt it was important to get out into the community. And people recognize that. I wasn't a council member that that um, managed from the office, managed through emails. We managed through conversation. We managed through being on the ground, you know, getting our hands dirty. And I'm proud of that. And now that we're into a time that is going to be very difficult, uh, you know, I hope people think that my caring is something that's going to help make our lives better, especially during this pandemic. Dominic Hagong, thank you so much. Aloha. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Aloha. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us for Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Until next time and an update on North Hawaii Community Hospital, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Highland Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.